Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to episode number 75 of the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna and I'm glad you could join us today. And if you're listening really closely on this introduction, you can hear a little bit of a tinging sound, which is uh, snow uh, bouncing off of our chimney, which it's snowing here in Minnesota. So yay, I guess that's what that is. But uh, if you're new to this show, welcome. After you're done with this episode, why don't you go and check out a few of the other episodes previously and then subscribe. We'd love to have you as part of our community. For those who've been around for a while, you will know from my nerdiness uh, and how I love to compare our number of episodes with the length of various TV shows and how long they ended. Uh, Well, since this is episode number 75, there were 75 episodes of the TV show The Jetsons. I know that's random, and if you're too young for that show, you can check it out on YouTube. It's one of those sci-fi old cartoons. Uh, (laughs) Today is an Aaron Run episode, so we will try and get this done in the time it takes you to run an errand. Uh, I think you're going to like today's guest. Uh, My guest is John Bevere. He probably doesn't need much of an introduction, but uh, the short version is John is an international speaker and best-selling author who is known for his bold and uncompromising approach to God's Word. John and his wife Lisa are founders of Messenger International, an organization established to teach, reach, and rescue. Over more than three decades in the ministry, his desire is to support the local church and resource leaders, regardless of location, language, or financial position. To this end, his resources have been translated in over 90 languages, and millions of copies have been given away to pastors and leaders worldwide. Wow. So, without further ado, my conversation with John Brevere. John, welcome to the show. Kevin, it's an honor to be on the program with you. I love, I love your concept, running an errand, errand that takes usually about 20 minutes. That's so cool. <laughs> and we, we, we try to stick to it. Sometimes, you know, we, we go over the other way, but that's all good. <laughs> well, it might be traffic jam, so the errand right. might take longer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. Now, since it's an errand run episode, we always start out with a kind of a fun question about errands. Now, when your wife, Lisa, was on the show, she talked about that the two of you love dark chocolate uh, oh. and that it's kind of an obsession. She, she even may have said you've been stealing her chocolate. I don't know, but uh, you if, if you are out on an errand and it's not dark chocolate, but there's something else fun to pick up. Is there anything that comes to mind that you like to pick up on an errand? I usually try to get a good set of blueberries. I love blueberries. Blueberries. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that with all of our shipping nowadays, you can get blue, good blueberries in the winter because they come from Chile or, you know, and in the spring, it's Mexico. So, you, you know, it's, it's really wonderful. I just, I love, they're my favorite fruit. Do you do anything special with them or you just, just eat them raw? I just eat them every morning. I eat a bowl of blueberries. Okay. I, I hear they're good for your memory as well. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> So you'll remember this conversation, I guess. Now, now, (laughs) speaking of when Lisa was on the show, uh, we talked about the early days of your ministry and driving around, and I think it was a Honda Accord or something like that with the two kids. Honda Civic. 
Honda Civic, uh, uh, kids strapped in the back seat. And your new book, uh, which we'll get to in just a second, talks about those early days as well. But is there any story, I love kind of the origin stories of ministries and uh, people who serve God. Is there any stories that didn't make the cut in the newest book that <laughs> might, might be an encouragement to someone who's uh, maybe early in ministry or just starting out in life that uh, would be an encouragement saying, yeah, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> Well, you know, um, this one kind of did make the book, but my worst subject in high school was English and creative writing. And so when God in prayer spoke to me in 1991 and said, son, I want you to write, I, I kind of laughed and said, okay, you must have so many of us kids now that you're getting us mixed up with one another. You know, um, I scored 370 in the SAT and all my travels, I've only uh, met two people that have scored lower than that. And I thought God was making a huge mistake. And now I look today and I'm so glad I obeyed. It took me 10 months, but I'm so glad I obeyed because, you know, I look at the books now, you know, they didn't do very well at first and now they're in their tens of millions and they're in 129 languages. And I'm, I'm just, it, it, to me, it's just a, a story to, you know, I was so frustrated. It took me a year to write that first book. And I remember the very first comment on that book was a friend of mine who said it was a little too preachy with too many scriptures. And I, I'll never forget just laying on my back on our living room floor, staring at the ceiling, thinking I've wasted an entire year. I have not grown the ministry in other ways. I am a complete failure. And so, you know, I, I just, I just want to encourage people, you know, I want to see them not give up on the dreams that God's placed in their heart. I love that. Uh, Cause uh, being a writer myself, we all have the, those moments when you're like, why am I doing this again? What's, what's, yeah. the, what, what's the point? Now, uh, let's jump into uh, the newest book is Multiply or X, Multiply Your give, God-Given Potential. Uh, and first, let me just say I loved it. Uh, great, great read. I got an advanced reader copy and it was just uh, one of my favorite books I read this year. Uh, so thank wow. you for that. Thank uh, you. And uh, what, what is kind of the, I'll just right off the bat, what was what your heart in writing this book? Well, you know, I'll, I'll open by saying this. Um, I want everybody to think with me and just be honest with yourself. If you hear somebody say he has a call of God on her, his life or she has a call of God on her life, what immediately goes through your mind? They're going to be a pastor, a worship leader, a missionary. no. Every single person listening to us, Kevin, has a call of God upon their life. And with that calling comes unique, supernatural gifts to accomplish that calling in the arena we're called to. Now, we limit these gifts to just operating in the four walls of the church. That is so not true. The Bible gives a list, but I don't believe it's exhaustive because Paul said we're like the, a, a human being's body. And every member of my body has different abilities and functions. And so why would God give us these giftings that only work inside the four walls of the church when God is so interested in reaching the people who are lost outside of the church? So let me give you a classic example. Um, I opened the book with this story. Uh, a partner asked me a question. He said, and this is a very well-off partner, he had given significantly to our outreaches overseas. And he said, John, I'm worth about 9 million. He said, I'm turning 50. 
I've worked my tail off to get here. Why should I continue to do this? Why should I continue to work at the same pace through the decade of my 50s as I have up to this point? My wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. And I remember it was a real important moment. And I looked inside. I said, God, how do I answer that? And he gave me the idea, Kevin. I said, well, Stan, let me give you another scenario. I've written 17. At that time, it was 17 books because this happened about six years ago. I said, they're in all these languages. I've gotten on planes. I've flown all over the world. I've stood on some of the largest platforms in the world. However, I've lived in little box hotel rooms for 200 nights a year. I've encountered very strange food, different cultures, jet lag. Why should I get on another plane? Because my wife is cared for life. My children are cared for life. Why should I write another book? And he laughed and he said, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you face Jesus. And I said, Stan, you just said the exact same words. And he, I'll never forget his little smirk left his face. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, Stan, listen, I have a unique gifts to accomplish what I'm called to do in building the kingdom of God. For you, it's obvious, writing and preaching. You have a call to build the kingdom of God. Your gifts are not as evident to you. You haven't connected the dots. You just said the exact same thing I just said. And I remember he said to me six months later, I've been haunted in a good way by the words you spoke to me. And I said, well, what are you doing about it? He said, I am using my gifts to build God's kingdom. And so another heartbreaking story, which I think you read in the book, but I think this will really illustrate it. And Kevin, that is this, a friend of mine has a very large church, over 30,000 members. Every year he does a big conference and it's a leadership conference. And he was walking through a sanctuary and a very well-known medical doctor in his city was putting pamphlets out on every seat for the delegates the next day. And he said, when he saw the medical doctor who was well-known, he ran over to him and said, doc, doc, we have interns and volunteers who can do this. I, I don't want you to have to do this. And he said, the doctor rebuked him very politely, but rebuked him. And he said, pastor, I take one week off my medical practice a year so that I can build the kingdom of God. Please don't take this from me. At that point, my heart broke and I have wept over this because that doctor sees himself in the secular 51 weeks of the year, but he sees himself in the sacred one week a year. Most people listening to us right now, they see themselves in the sacred when they're at church, they're 90 minutes on Sunday, when they're on their quiet time in the morning, but they see the rest of their time as being secular. The answer is absolutely, positively, no. You are in the sacred 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And God has given you unique, spiritual, supernatural gifts to accomplish this. And so, one, can I do one more story? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, uh, last year, I was asked to meet with a multi-billionaire. He requested a meeting. I sat down with him, and I, I was supposed to minister to him, but he ended up ministering to me. And he said, John... I was reading all the books, all the books on how to do business right that are written in the secular world. And he said, I knew I was called to the, to, the, to the marketplace. He said, but I was floundering. I wasn't doing well. I was barely making ends meet. He said, and one day I was sitting in church and I was watching my pastor preach. And he said, my pastor's called to do what he does. I'm called to do what I do. My pastor depends on the Holy Spirit for what he does. He's called to do. Why aren't I depending on the Holy Spirit for what I'm called to do? And he said, so I had this paradigm shift. And he said, I started putting a notebook down every day 
a, a pad of paper and said, Holy Spirit, what are we doing? And he said, the Holy Spirit started telling me to do some very unconventional things. He said, I'd started doing them. And as a result now today, he owns 20 hospitals in Vietnam. He owns the second largest bank in the world. He is a multi-billionaire that has houses all over the world and is passionate about building the kingdom with the finances that God has blessed him with. Now, he connected the dots. He realized that God wanted him to succeed in the area of life that he was called to and that his unique giftings weren't preaching, prophesying, but hearing from God and executing business deals. So we've got single moms listening to us right now. We've got stay-at-home moms. We've got school teachers listening to us. We've got you know factory workers listening to us. We've got retail employees listening to us. Every one of you has a supernatural ability that God's placed on your life to shine in the world that you're in so that you can multiply to bring more people into the kingdom. And one of the themes that really stood out to me from the book is uh, the idea of the connection between faithfulness and multiplication. Uh, I mean, I, I was raised in church all my life. I've heard those passages that you talk about in the relationship of faithfulness and never saw what you, what you pointed out there before. What are you talking about when you say, uh, why is multiplication uh, one of the most important definitions of faithfulness? Well, <laughs> I didn't get it until I was 50 years old. Now I'm 61 right now. So you got to realize here I am, I'm in ministry for 25 years. You know, here I'm 50 years old and I started ministry when I was 24. I didn't know that one of the primary definitions of faithfulness is to multiply. And let me, let me tell you um, what happened. I was in my basement and we had already sold millions of books and we had sold millions of curriculums to over 25,000 churches in America. And the Holy Spirit said, son, you've been faithful with the English speaking community. And that's the word he used. He said, now I want you to get your resource in the hands of every pastor and leader in the world. And I mean, by the grace of God in the last 10 years, we've been able to give over 41 million resources to pastors and leaders in 111 languages. I mean, just Iran alone, we've been able to do 1.5 million resources in Farsi. Wow. But that got my attention, the word that he used, you've been faithful. So what, what, what I didn't realize is that Jesus, when he tells the parable of the talents, is illustrating this very important truth to us. He talks about three servants that are inside the kingdom, and the master, the lord of the, 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 the property, entrusts to them talents. Now, it's a measure of weight, specifically money, but this is a parable. So really what he's saying is he entrusted gifts to them. And he went away and he said, two of them multiplied their gifts and the other one maintained his gift. The two that multiplied, the master looked at them and said, well done, good and faithful servant. Now I'm not convinced yet. The next line is what gets me. You have been faithful in a few things. And I went, wait a minute. He didn't say that person was joyful didn't say that person was consistent, dependable, reliable, didn't say that person had hope. All he said in this parable is that person went from five to 10. And yet he directly ascribes that multiplication to you have been faithful. And that totally ch changed my paradigm, Kevin, 
What's the first commandment that God gave to man when he put him on the earth? Be fruitful and multiply. We always just only ascribe that to having children. That is very true. However, it's much larger than that. God is saying to mankind, whatever I entrust into you, I expect you to return it back to me multiplied. Jesus's parable of the talents is just amplifying that first commandment that God gave to man when he put him on the earth. Mankind. I want to make that clear, men and women. And in order to multiply, one of the themes kind of going through is the idea of risk and the importance of taking uh, risks. And it kind of, uh, I'll phrase the question this way. One of my favorite lines, which is going to seem strange to anyone else, but uh, you, you said, I remember feeling overwhelmed when purchasing our first computer. And maybe that's just that idea of, you know, you bootstraps your ministry and you start out and it's just kind of that crazy feeling. Everything's kind of a stretch as, you, you, as you're going. Uh, but there's a risk that needs to be taken. And as a person of vision, how do you balance the importance of taking risk with the timing of when you take that risk? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So... I've learned through trial and error, and I hope I can convey this to every listener, that a risk isn't a risk when God speaks to your heart. However, we must know how God speaks to our heart. And that is covered in the book. And it's something that should always be talked about. You know, we say we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but I'm amazed at how we try to put our relationship in a box. I have four sons and I communicate to each son differently because they have different personalities. If you look at God, he said, I speak to prophets this way, but I don't speak to Moses this way. And the thing that every child of God has to do is learn how God speaks to them. And with me, it's usually reading the Bible or it's while I'm quiet and I'm in prayer. But what I do is I always sleep on it. And if I wake up the next morning with the peace, because Paul said, let that peace rule as an umpire then I make the move. And when I talk about the computer, we're talking about 1992 and computers were very expensive and we were living hand to mouth. Our ministry was only a year and a half old and it was actually 91 when we did this. And so it was a big step, but I had this overwhelming peace in my heart. My head was screaming at me. What are you doing? You're, you can barely pay your house payment. You know, I, our house payment was a whopping $700. Okay. And I thought, oh my gosh, I remember just a few months ago, I needed $700 on the day it was due and God miraculously answered it. What are you doing buying? Because computers were expensive. What are you doing? But I thought, no, I have a tremendous piece. And I think a lot of times, Kevin, we've got to see the provision before we act instead of allowing the vision to, with the piece, coupled with the piece, to cause us to make the act. Every significant move that we've had in Messenger International in the 31 years of Messenger International's existence has always come off of massive risks. I mean, my wife describes when I, 10 years ago this year, I said, hey, we are going to give away 250,000 books this year. And the whole room went silent. My wife said she tasted throw up in her mouth, okay? <laughs> and it just looked like I was getting ready to sink our ministry permanently. And they are a few people argued with me. And I said, guys, I know we're supposed to do it. But I had had such an encounter with the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, get, get your books into the hands of pastors all over the world that can't afford them. 
that I knew, I knew that it wasn't a risk, it was obedience. And so that's the difference. A risk taker sometimes can be foolish, but a person who has heard from God, who steps out on the water, they're gonna walk because the word of God's gonna sustain them. And Kevin, I just wish that people, and I really believe in this, people read through this book, that they're going to learn how to hear the voice of God because of all the examples that I'm giving. And I think that's a very big part of multiplying. Well, I agree. The, the importance of hearing God's voice allows for the creativity of the spirit. It allows for your story. It doesn't have to be someone else's story. There's the joy of the journey. That, I, I love that component of the book that it really walks you through finding your own process of hearing God and what that looks like. So uh, as we're winding down here, as people are heading towards the checkout line, maybe, or uh, anything else about the book that you'd like people to know uh, kind of a uh, big picture or some small thing that they're going to get away from. Yeah. Away from yeah I, I want to really challenge everybody. Um, first of all, our gifts are supernatural and they can only operate if we believe. And it's called charisma, which is an aspect of the grace of God. Now, most people believe grace saves us, forgives our sins. But what 98%, and I'm speaking statistically by a survey, 98% of Americans in, in a, uh, the American Christians don't understand that grace is God's empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. Now, you can't have that grace acted in your life unless you believe. And if you can't believe what you don't know. So if 98% of the Christians in America don't know that grace empowers us to go beyond our natural ability, that means 98% of the Christians in America are trying to do the will of God in their own ability. And that's pure frustration. And let me end it with this one example. There are so many Christians in America. They're listening to you. They listen to me. And they have this deep-seated thought or idea. They think if I live godly, if I, I don't cheat on my wife, I'm, not, I'm kind to people, I go to church regularly, I pay my tithes, whatever it is, the gift of God in me will automatically work. The answer is absolutely no. There is not a more godly man in all the New Testament than Timothy. In fact, Paul wrote to the entire Philippian church and said that Timothy was one of the most Christ-like men he had ever met. Yet Paul has to write to Timothy twice and say, Timothy, the gift of God in you is not operating. It's inoperative. So being godly didn't cause Timothy's gift to be active. It, he had to do something. And this is what we talk about in this book, how to discover your gifts, how to develop those gifts, and how to multiply those gifts. And where do you want people to go to pick it up? Anywhere you're sending them, anywhere else? They can get it at Target, because I know I'm talking to some Minnesota people up there, okay? <laughs> they can get it at Amazon. They can get it at Christian Books. They can get it at all the, 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 I mean, any place Christian books are sold or secular books, Barnes and Nobles. The easiest way is to go to johnbevere.com, but if you can't spell John Bevere, which I understand some of you can't, then just go to amazon.com. <laughs> And Amazon is the quickest, easiest way you can get the book. So just go to Amazon. I don't care where people get the book. I just want to, here's what I want to see. I, I really feel like I have a dad's heart, Kevin. I want to see everybody listening to us 
discover, develop, and multiply their gifts. Because when the whole body of Christ starts functioning, we're going to see a move of the Spirit of God like we've never seen before in this nation. And we need a move in this nation right now. Amen. And uh, if they can't do johnbevere.com, they can look up Kevin Senapati Ratna, right? Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll be fine there. All right. No, we'll put it all in the show notes for people. Thanks, John, for being here today. Kevin, it was an honor. I sure enjoyed being with you, brother. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and it was encouragement to you and your walk with Jesus and all that he has for you. If you like this episode, check out some previous episodes and then subscribe. Specifically, you might want to check out episode number 49 where I have John's wife, Lisa, on the show. We have a great conversation there. The show notes are at christconnection.cc slash podcast. And while you're there, check out the rest of the resources we have for you and your life with God. We are here to be a resource to you. And again, that is christconnection.cc slash podcast. Thanks for listening today. And until next time, God bless you.